Hi, this is Sean from Kansas, and I never listened to I Doubt It with Dollamore. So I decided to call into a show that I don't even listen to because I'm a fucking idiot. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Welcome and thank you for joining us on this 212th installment of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting across from me, real, real happy, Brittany Page. Hello. <laughs> I'm running out of, of things to, to say, to describe you. You know, you ran out a long time ago. I'm just flying by the seat of my proverbial pants. You really are. At this point. Mm-hmm. So we are back. Yes. It is nice that we can take a day off mm-hmm. without being delivered a ration of shit from our audience. It is nice. They allow us, once in a while, a day off. Very rarely. It is very rarely compared to what it could be, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And uh, we are happy to be back. As I always say after we take an episode off, it is kind of a bummer because so much happens inside of two or three days that it leaves us really having to pick and choose what we talk about on the following episode. So here we are in the same situation once again. It was a nice little break, though. We had Brian from Liar City on the last episode, and he explained why he was out there. And uh, it was a good time. Um, I've known Brian for a little over a year now, and we've become closer and closer and more friends. And it's it's kind of a and it's an interesting thing when you when you meet someone like physically meet mm-hmm. them that you've known for over a year, right? You know, many conversations on the phone, lots of Facebook messaging and texting and. Skyping. Yeah, and you finally meet the guy. Yeah, Skyping kind of helps the awkwardness because there was no awkwardness. It was uh it was you know long lost friends kind of a deal. Right. And it was a good time. I, I went up to LA with him several days and accompanied him to the different meetings. I didn't go in because, you know, that's none of my fucking business, but we went into all kinds of fancy buildings and I sat in all kinds of fancy lobbies. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. And then on uh on Saturday night we went to the comedy store and saw a whole bunch of different comics, which was a really good time. Mm-hmm. Br- Brittany and me and Brian. And it was, uh, it was, it was a good time. I got to, I had a long, heartfelt, kind of a surprising conversation with Mark Marin in the hallway. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was great. You know, we talked for a long time and, and uh, you know what he told me? Yeah. Um, and this might be surprising to you. He said, uh, and really, I, I can't state the, the, the level of emotion. It was really a great conversation. He said to me, um, no, I'm not waiting for the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> really touched me right yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It's pretty intense. <laughs> he, speaking of intense, though, he really is a, 
he's a stand-up that's, uh, I think to say in your face would be an apt descriptor. Yeah, he looks right deep down into your soul. <laughs> he was holding eye contact with me for quite a long time, and I think I would be more uncomfortable with that if I hadn't been working as a therapist for the past year. Right. Where I'm basically just holding eye contact with people for 50 minutes at a time um, with them breaking away occasionally. Um, but me, I'm just shooting daggers at people. So, <laughs> Well, I, you have to say, we were in the front row. Right. We were sitting against the stage. So when he when you say he was he was looking into your eyes, I mean he was he was, you know, 8 or 10 inches from your face, his face. Right, but I think that's just kind of his thing. Yeah. That's what he does. Yeah. And it was a good time. It was very fun. Yeah, it was awesome. The comedy store in in, in Hollywood is one of those businesses that uh I think that they're they're panache for they they're well known. And they can get away with... Being with, a cluster F? Oh, it was a total and complete clusterfuck. Yeah. And I don't have patience for nonsense, let's say. You really don't. You were very angry. Well, I don't... I just don't... I don't know if I was very angry. You were very angry. I just don't like... First of all, I don't like waiting in line at all. So... And that's a little dickish and maybe a little elitist of me. It is. But when there's not clear signs telling you where... That look, fuckers, you're gonna have to wait in line like chattel. Uh, here are the places that we are indicating that you do so. It's just a free for all of all these idiots running around, beers in hand, and they're not instructing you where to go. It's so strange to me because you know you've been alive for some time, <laughs> some time, and yeah. you still don't like waiting in line. And I'm assuming that throughout your entire life. You've been having to wait in line. Yeah. Like a normal person. Still don't like it. And you, you're you not growing accustomed to this lifestyle Listen, that you I have saw, to live. <laughs> I saw somebody on Facebook the other day talking about making fun of someone who called them, and apparently they're in customer service, and they were mocking the woman who was complaining about having been left on hold for eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself... I don't know that I would do business with a company. If I have the choice, if I get left on hold for longer than five or six minutes, I mean, I'm ready to have a freak out at five minutes. If I get left on hold for eight minutes, wow! if I have a choice, I'm not going to do business with that company. Wow. Is, what do you mean, wow? That's How is that outrageous? That's a, that's a perfectly... No. Reasonable, rational uh, conclusion. No, because... There's several times when I've called businesses and you're just going to have to be on hold for a long time. That's name it. one. Name one. I know this is completely impromptu here, but... Uh, Cal State Fullerton. That's not a business you have a choice to do business with. That is a... AT&T. You've been left on hold for longer than six minutes? I'm sure. For eight minutes? I'm sure. I called Best Buy just the other day and they left me on hold for over 15 minutes. Yeah, I would... I would uh, nope. No, no good. You expect- I mean, I wasn't happy waiting for 15 minutes, but I'm not going to you ex- freak out on the person who answers because it's not their fault. I didn't say freak out. Where did you get that from? You're wildly jumping to conclusions You now. said you freak out. You get angry. No, inside. It's it's a freak out inside. I don't. When have I ever freaked out on someone? You've known me for many years. 
when have I ever blown my stack and freaked out on well, someone? Well, you're just painting this picture of yourself as this. You were there. You saw when I said I was freaking out. I was inside. It was internal. Right. But you're <laughs> painting this picture of this guy who refuses to, you know, be told to wait for even no. five minutes. See, now you're painting in completely different language than I did. It's I'm not painting a picture of a guy who refuses. I'm a guy who, if I have to wait, I wait. But goddamn, I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if people were really getting that message from everything you just previously said. Let us know, everybody. Absolutely. Prob- <laughs> now, in retrospect, probably not. But if you would like to let us know and back the young and scholarly Brittany Page, you can do so. 657-464-7609. That, of course, as always, is our number. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Speaking of communicating with the show, we got a message on our Facebook page from one of our loyal and awesome audience members in Scandinavia, Marius, or I think he pronounces it Marius, from, from Norway, had something to say. Here's something to talk about for you guys. The comment section on I Fucking Love Science's Facebook page is fascinating. Americans really love beating on their kids. Everyone has a quote-unquote, it worked on me, this is BS comment, and it works wonders for, quote, teaching kids to respect others and boundaries and shit like that. And yet, the U.S. has the world's largest prison rate. So, of course, this is the spanking study. A huge new study has come out yeah, and revealed the impact of spanking on children, and it's not good. Of course. And so Marius is referring to, apparently, the comment section... <laughs> Which he is a man after your own heart because you follow the dirty, filthy rabbit hole of comment sections. I torture like it, myself. Like it's a part-time goddamn job. I torture myself <laughs> because I just get enraged. So, yes, we share that quality. But yeah. uh, I believe him. I believe him that people are commenting and saying, nah, I was spanked, I turned out great, or, oh, I spanked my kids and they're fine. Right, right. That's always the attitude that people take. Whenever research comes out that contradicts something they've done in their life or the way they live their life. Well, they just rely so heavily on anecdotal bullshit rather than the experts. The voluminous amounts of data that they've sifted through and come to uh, empirical conclusions. So the study, I'll just kind of give a brief overview. It's a new joint study conducted by the University of Texas at Austin and the University of Michigan, focusing specifically on spanking. Now, this was defined as an open-handed hit on the behind or extremities. The behind. Yes. You're, you're putting that Texas affectation on it. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why I'm doing that. You also call them the police. <laughs> Okay. And they found that spanking led to unintended negative outcomes, uh, exactly what parents are trying to avoid in the first place. Right? Absolutely. Quote, the upshot of the study is that spanking increases the likelihood of a wide variety of undesired outcomes for children. 
Spanking does the opposite of what parents usually want it to do. Now, this is from Andrew Kalor, the co-author and an associate professor at the University of Michigan School of Social Work. Those outcomes include increased parental defiance, aggression and antisocial behavior, as well as mental health problems and cognitive difficulties, according to the author's wide-ranging study. And it usually means the child isn't going to do what the parent wants him to do in the short or long term. Yeah. So. Well, it's... I know that that particular argument that you... that he's talking about, that, well, I was spanked and I turned out fine, that really sticks in your craw to... to keep the Texas thing going, I guess. <laughs> um, and it, it bothers me too, but I think there is some, listen, it, it is ridiculous that it is 2016. Well, one, it's ridiculous that I keep having to say it's 2016 because it's goddamn 2016. But we're still hitting our kids. It, it is a barbaric thing that is counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. I would say this, though, not every parent, in fact, I wouldn't even say most parents who spank their kids are doing it because they're flying off the handle or wanting to hurt their children. I believe most people really believe that it is what to do to instill good values and everything else. They're just not noodling it like they should. Well, and that's obvious when you look at the comment section and, you know, what you said about how they're using their own personal experience where this this study was a meta-analysis and they combined five decades of research on 160,000 children to reach their conclusions. Right. So this was a, a long time. This is a lot of kids. And your one personal experience with spanking right. is relatively meaningless in the scope of all that. So well, I, I look at it this way. I have two siblings younger than me. We were all, well, I don't believe my youngest brother was really, he was not spanked like we were. Maybe not at all. But my 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 middle brother and I were both spanked. And that shit worked on me. Because the threat of violence, it worked. I did not know. Not, not a fan Whatever, I'm a, I'm a little puss, whatever. didn't I don't like to be struck, and I cry. You, you're and, a little puss. You're a, a, a kid who's afraid of their parents no, harming you. No, no, no that's, that's not what I mean. I mean, I know that's what it sounded like, but I'm saying, look, I was a little kid who, you know, it didn't... Uh, well, let's put it in this light, because I'm fl- floundering here. My middle brother, it, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. Mm-hmm. He, well, my... My stepdad had a weird methodical way of you get five or ten wax with his hand-carved paddle. And five, if you just sit there and take it, ten, you can squirm and put your hands back there and blah, blah, blah. He had, like, this whole system worked out. Mm-hmm. Fucking weird. And my little brother would challenge it. No, fuck, let's make it 15. Fuck you, bearded lady. Let's make it 20. He'd run away. He would he would up the ante as a challenge. Eh, that wasn't my scene. But even as a person who says... I think says, that's a very rare scene. For sure. But even as a person who says it worked on me, that doesn't mean it was right. That doesn't mean it was really effective. Maybe the, just the threat of punishment, like timeout or whatever else, would have also worked with me. Violence doesn't... It's not a good way to teach to not be violent, to not 
act in a disruptive or maladaptive way. It's just, it's not. And anybody who gives it, it seems as though anybody who gives it, you know, five seconds of thought would, would realize that. It's interesting that Marius uh, came to us with this post because last episode we were going to play this clip and we ran long and didn't get to it. But recently in Georgia, there was a woman who filmed her child, her kindergarten child, five, no older than six years old, being spanked by the principal of the school. It is video that angers almost everyone who sees it. A five-year-old little boy sobbing because he's about to be paddled at school. A punishment the boy's mother says she approved so she wouldn't be sent to jail. Naya McInerney has more on a complicated story that has at its center a very scared little boy. It's the disturbing video everyone is talking about. We're going to do it. A five-year-old boy getting paddled by the school principal for fighting and spitting at a teacher while an assistant principal holds him to keep him still. I'm only going to do it one time. Unless you wiggle around. The Today Show's Natalie Morales was moved to tears. When I was watching this this in this, my dressing room this morning, I was just appalled, crying, upset. And you may be shocked to learn who was standing there recording everything. It was the boy's mom, Shayna Perez. How could you just stand there and watch your child being paddled? I felt like I had no other option. Um, The principal led me to believe that the paddle was the only option. Perez admits that her son has had 18 unexcused absences from school this year, which she says were for medical reasons. She was actually arrested for the little boy's truancy. She claims the school threatened to call police and have her arrested again if she did not give them permission to paddle Thomas in the principal's office. He was devastated about the whole situation. He is still so upset about it. Every time I try to walk up to him, he says, don't hit me, don't hit me. Paddling is legal in Georgia where this happened as long as the parent gives their consent and 18 other states permit corporal punishment in schools. But the disturbing video is reigniting an old debate today. Should paddling be used to punish a child this young? (laughs) We showed the video to psychiatrist Gail Salt. There is really no data to say that corporal punishment affects positive change. You take a kid who maybe is already being oppositional and defiant, and now you've taught him that uh, another method of coping, as it were, is to hit. And chances are you're going to get a child who's going to hit. That is about the most logical way to put it than anybody could. Mm-hmm. And they talk about this number of states that allow spanking in schools. It's <laughs> well, it's not a shocker. It's crazy. If I was to ask you, and you've seen the, the the map that I took a screenshot of, but if I was to ask the audience, what group of states in the United States happen to be all included in the group that allows spanking in school? Uh, what do you think there? <laughs> yeah, that's right. All of the southern states of these United States are included 
Isn't Idaho also included? It is, yeah. Idaho, I think Mon- uh, Montana, Wyoming. It runs straight from Idaho down through the Midwest and then all of the South. Mm-hmm. And that's institutionalized violence against children. Authorized violence against children. I don't know why anyone would say, yes, go ahead and hit my child with an object. Well, listen, even if the the, the, the people in the school, like the principal, were th- that it was okay and they could, they could uh, and there was some positive uh, um, outcomes from spanking, is she trained? In giving and administering corporal punishment, or is she just an educator? It seems to me those roles shouldn't be mixed at all. She's she's it's taking on judge, jury, and executioner roles all within under under the the auspices of someone who is in a helping teaching profession. It just it's fucked up. Well, and and I don't know why this isn't a clear point, but all it seems to do for me is to convey the message to children that adults can't be trusted. Yeah, yeah. I can't. No, that's a great I can't point. trust these people. They're beating me up. I can't trust these people. Yeah. I mean, it's really upsetting. And then you say, "Yeah, go ahead, another person who isn't the parent, go ahead and hold my kid down while he's screaming and hit him with an object." Well, I think in this case, this Georgia case, all three adults in this in the room there should be held criminally responsible. The mother who filmed this entire thing, mm-hmm. who's obviously not a good parent, she's getting arrested for allowing her kid not to go to school, or shouldn't shouldn't I say maybe not allowing him to go to school? But he, she's not bringing him to school. And then there was the other lady. Well, I don't know what her role was to hold the kid down or something. It was just, it, it was sickening. Anyway, we'll move on. Do let us know what you think. 657-464-7609. I doubt it at dollamore.com. Another couple pieces of follow-up before we move on, though. The Tennessee governor. We've been talking about Tennessee for the last several episodes. Their religious liberty bills, all the craziness that's coming out of there. Well, the governor just signed a bill that will allow counselors, again, people in a helping profession, allowing counselors to deny services to LGBT individuals. The law, known as HB 1840, gives therapists and counselors immunity from liability should a client be turned away for conflicting with the provider's, are you ready, sincerely held principles. The Uh, state has recently seen a wave of controversial proposals. Earlier this month, a top state legislator withdrew her proposal for an anti-transgender bathroom bill, and the governor also vetoed a bill making the Holy Bible his state's official book. Uh... Seriously, what is going on? I know we have listeners in Tennessee who are good and decent people. There needs to be, you know, like Bernie Sanders talks about, I hate to quote the old man, there needs to be a political revolution in Tennessee because there are decent people that live there and this is not emblematic or representative of what I know from the citizenry. Well, and it's 2016. I know we keep saying that, <laughs> but I mean, when is this going to stop? 
I, I don't want it to be 2017 and we're still talking about these issues. Well, so counselors now, what's next? Heart surgeons? Sorry, God has afflicted you because you're gay with a bad heart. I can't get in the way of what God has set into place. What's next? It's really alarming. It's sickening. All right, next on the follow-up docket, we have talked about former Speaker of the House, the longest-serving Republican Speaker of the House, Dennis Hastert. He goes by Denny. There were allegations or suspicions that he had molested children, which set into motion a situation where he was giving payoff hush money, but not following banking rules. Well, apparently... It is no longer only suspicion. He has admitted it in open court. I'm just going to call him Dennis. All right. Well, he goes Denny Hastert, but go ahead. So Dennis, I just feel like that's... Is it more molesty when you call him Dennis? No, I just feel like it's appropriate. (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like it's appropriate. Okay. Dennis publicly admitted for the first time to abusing his athletes. Well, I didn't mention he was a wrestling coach in prior life. Yes. So he was confronted in an emotional address or several emotional addresses by his former wrestlers and the sister of another and faced a long, scathing rebuke from the judge, which is well-deserved. Right. Now, he's 74 now, so he's old. Yeah. Well, they wheeled him in there in a wheelchair, but only a couple months ago, the guy was on his feet walking in and out of federal court, so... It might have been a simply sympathy play for the for the court. Right. Like you said, he was a small town wrestling coach in Illinois and he rose to Speaker of the House in Washington. So before all this came out, he was a relatively respected person. Oh, yeah. Absolutely respected Speaker of the House. Not a real controversial guy. He wasn't like John Boehner or even Newt Gingrich. He was kind of, you know. He crossed both ways relative to respect. So while the sentencing hearing was technically about a violation of banking rules and regulations, the proceedings focused squarely on the underlying reason for his puzzling bank withdrawals. Good for the judge. Which were his abuse of young wrestlers who had viewed him as a role model. Quote, the defendant is a serial child molester, said Judge Thomas Durkin of Federal District Court. Some actions can obliterate a lifetime of good works. Nothing is more stunning than having a serial child molester and Speaker of the House in the same sentence. Yeah. Well, they have taken some action uh, relative to his position at the Capitol. They've removed a painting or a bust of his, and uh, I think it's all for the good. They should be doing that. Not that his entire legacy should be erased because we don't want to to fall victim and prey to ignoring our past and our history. But it is good that he's not going to be celebrated there because, you know, although I'm not a a, a proponent of the death penalty, child molestation, child rape, child abuse, these types of things, if we're going to have a capital crime, I think it should be included. So his uh, date to report to prison hasn't been released yet. He's been ordered to pay $250,000 in fines, never to have contact with his victims again, and to undergo sex offender treatment. Of course, all of these punishments are just about the banking stuff because the statute of limitations is up. Yeah, which is, 
Again, I've said it before, and I will repeat myself, as is my <laughs> as is my habit. Uh, there should not be a statute of limitations for child abuse, for child rape, child molestation, any kind of rape, for that matter. There shouldn't be a statute of limitations because there's not a statute of limitations on the time that the victims have to live inside of the trauma. They live with that forever. It's not just the the time that the abuse actually happened and then they're done with it and they move on healed and healthy. They live with that trauma for the rest of their lives. All right. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I Doubt It with Dollamore. That previous story really gets people riled up to do some Patreon giving. <laughs> well, I mean, has to, the, 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 the Patreon mid-roll has to come sometime. It really does. Yeah, so I can't, like, are we going to end the, the half, half time of the show with a positive story and then end the, the regular show with the, the good There's too much good news, Brittany. We can only have so much good news the way you're speaking about it makes it sound more difficult than it actually would be but yes yes i get your point all right dollamocracy 2016 facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism so in our absence there was another set of primaries that took place in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maryland, and the massive trailer park slash chemical plant, Delaware. How did those contests end up, Brittany? Uh, Donald Trump won all five states. Largely. Well, I mean, with a massive margin, mm-hmm. he in, won all five states. In two of the states, he got above 60% of the vote. Uh, so they had been talking for a long time about the ceiling that he was hitting, mm-hmm. but reaching over 60% of the vote is going past that ceiling that everyone's been talking right. about. Of course, they were in Delaware and Rhode Island. So Yeah. And for the Democrats... Um, Hillary Clinton won four states, Connecticut, Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, and Bernie Sanders won Rhode Island, 55% to 43%. So a decent percentage, but... Really not to counteract the, the, the fact that it's a tiny state and Hillary Clinton won the larger, the massive amount of the delegates and the others. Right. Yeah. So the delegate count right now. Again, no super delegates. We do not count super delegates on this program. What is it? 1,644 for Hillary Clinton. 1,644. To 1,300. And 16 for Bernie Sanders. So still relatively tight, even given that win. Right. But the thing is, 
you don't see a lot of news outlets uh, refusing to give that superdelegate count. Yeah. And so with the superdelegates, Hillary Clinton has 2,164. And you need 2,383 to win. So when it's including the superdelegates, it looks like, oh. Like it's a done deal. Yeah, she's basically there. So yeah. what's going on here? Well, It is a bummer for Bernie Sanders because right now he is firing. Well, I shouldn't say that. That sounds super negative. He's he's letting go hundreds of campaign workers to really focus his efforts on the California race. So he's going to be out here quite a bit. And in the course of that, we really hope to I'm stalling right now while Brittany pulls up the link. But uh, I'm I'm really hoping to go out at a, at a Bernie rally and talk to some people kind of man on the street style to get uh, their reactions and what their feelings are, maybe do some some on-the-spot interviews. So hopefully that will happen. But what do we know about him fire, letting go, see, I keep saying firing, letting go hundreds of people? Talking about how the sausage is made, huh? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> this is how the New York Times is reporting this. So just uh, calm down, everybody. It's not me who wrote this, Okay. <laughs> Battered by four defeats in Tuesday night's primaries, Bernie Sanders is planning to lay off hundreds of campaign staffers across the country and focus much of his remaining effort on winning the June 7th California primary. What? What? The Vermont senator revealed the changes a day after Hillary Clinton's victories widened her delegate lead and left her all but certain to win the Democratic presidential nomination. Yeah, she's definitely acting like the presumptive nominee at this point. Despite the changes, Mr. Sanders said he would remain in the race through the party's summer convention and stressed that he hoped to bring staffers back on board if his political fortunes improved. But political experts say the layoffs signal Mr. Sanders is beginning to accept that he will not be the Democratic nominee and is now focused on putting the party toward a more progressive agenda. I don't necessarily see it that way. How I see this is just tightening up a, a, a pretty bloated organization. Once the, the the preponderance of the primaries are behind you, what's the use of keeping all of those people on staff? You need to focus on what's ahead. Right. That's a, a lot of those campaign staffers. Sorry, a lot of those campaign staffers reside in Minnesota and Wisconsin and and New Hampshire, all these other states that have already happened. So why keep them on? They're just, it's dead weight and spending money that you shouldn't be spending. It's not being a good steward of your contributions. So that's exactly what Bernie Sanders has said. <laughs> oh, he said, well, good. He said, we want to win as many delegates as we can. So we do not need workers now in states around the country. We do not need people right now in Connecticut. That election is over. We don't need them in Maryland. So what we are going to do is allocate our resources to the 14 contests that remain. And that means that we are going to be cutting back on staff. When asked the exact number, he says it will be hundreds of staff members. He says, we had a very large staff, which was designed to deal with the 50 states in this country. 40 of those states are now behind us. So we have a great staff with great people, but right. he's focusing his energy on the remaining contests. Seems wise. Seems wise. And if you're a Bernie Sanders contributor, and I know there are many in our audience, I think, you know, if I was to make a guess, look, I'm not a contributor, but if I was to make a guess, they would be happy that he is spending their money wisely. 
and not squandering it on past races. And unhappy that the New York Times is reporting it the yeah, way that they are. They're being dicks. <laughs> what are they? In the Hillary Clinton camp? Got hot sauce in my bag. Swag. <laughs> Come on. Anyway. Hanging out, just chilling. <laughs> Iowa City or Des Moines or wherever it was. <laughs> we don't have very good memories. I know. All right. Well, Donald Trump, we have talked in the past about his going back and forth on certain issues. And one of those issues is on being presidential. <laughs> he has said on Colbert and many other programs that ah, I'd be real easy. Oh, it's so easy. It'd be so easy to be presidential. It's much easier than what he's doing now. Right. Well, he was asked this very question after or during his victory speech yesterday. After he won all five states. Right. He gave a speech and was asked this question by a reporter about when are you going to start acting presidential? Because his convention delegate guru, Paul Manafort, said it was released in secret. It's like a secret recording at the RNC that Donald Trump just playing a role. And when it's time to, to, to buckle down and be presidential, he's going to be playing that role. Well, she was asking about that. And Donald Trump completely cuts her off, doesn't let her ask her question, and answers it, you know, in true Donald Trump form. One of your aides recently suggested that you were playing a part and that your public persona would no, change. No, I am me. You know, it's interesting, Sarah. Uh, I hear that, you know, he'll be presidential, he'll be not presidential, he'll do this. It's very easy to be presidential. Much, by the way, much easier, but I'm not playing a part. Look. I started off with 17. I'm down now. I'm winning it. It's over. It, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's over. These two guys cannot win. But There's no path. So why would I change? You, you know, if you have change? a football team and you're winning, and then you get to the uh, Super Bowl, you don't change your quarterback, right? So what I'm not changing. In a general election instead of a Republican primary, will you I think will we're going to do great changes? in the general. Well, I may act differently, but my thought process is the same. You know, when I speak to a group of 10 people in a conference room, I'm not going to be speaking the same way I spoke in Pennsylvania yesterday to 25,000 people. Mm -hmm. It's a very different thing. But I'll be saying very similar things. Yes, go ahead. Well, as you, uh, to kind of follow up on that point to some extent, as you shift your focus, say, tomorrow to this uh, foreign policy speech. I'm doing a foreign giving, policy right, speech. It's a more formal setting and yeah, which uh, I look forward a to. more serious topic. Do you, are you concerned to some extent that you lose your more enthusiastic long-term supporters who supported you because well, you were? Well, it's an interesting question. I've had many, many people write in, tweet in, modern way of writing, but write in, tweet in, call in, please don't change, please don't change, just stay the way you are. So, look, I'm not changing. You know, I went to the best schools. I, I'm like a very smart person. I'm going to represent our country with dignity and very well. But I don't want to really change my personality. I think, you know, it got me here. I have a very good brain, and I've said a lot of things. I love when people do that thing when they say, you know, plenty of people have written me and said, you know, don't change. Right, right. Well, what types of people? Because you have a lot of white supremacists that love you. Oh, yeah. And it's also about the quality of the person that's writing in. Like, it, did they it, spell everything correctly when they wrote you? Is it did David they, Duke? Yeah. Who's saying not to change? Hey, I mean, never change, buddy. Who is it? Because that's an important variable that we would like to hear uh, about. 
Yeehaw! No Trump! No chain, buddy! But what's fascinating is he's he's still saying things like, I'm so smart, I went to these great schools. Right, right. We know. You you say it all the time. We know. We've heard it. I have great thoughts. I have wonder I know the words. Words are great. Believe me. Believe me. It's tremendous. So he was saying, listen, there's going to be a time eventually in the future <laughs> when I become presidential. Hey, I'm going to start doing that. Right. Now he's like, I won all five states. Why do I need to start acting presidential? Right. I got well, this in the bag. I'm 284 delegates away. Well, based on his polling, how he'll be polling uh, when his let's let's assume that Hillary Clinton is the nominee on the Democratic side. If he does get the nomination, which I'm still not convinced he's going to, he's going to be following, his behavior will be based on what the polls are. And, eh, well, he's, I don't know. It's it's a train wreck, Brittany Page. It is a train wreck. It is a train wreck. Well, and it's funny because in the beginning, everyone thought this was a joke, that this wasn't going to get this far. And here we are where he's continuing to win. Yeah. And we keep thinking this has to be a joke. At some point, this is going to stop. And it just doesn't stop. <laughs> it's the nightmare that never ends. Yes. Yeah. Well, speaking of him running against Hillary Clinton, Rudy Giuliani was on CNN and was talking about this very thing. And... Uh, it, you know, it's one of those deals where Donald Trump has caused all of these, you know, relatively well-respected politicians to jump the shark individually. Uh, most of the states, not all, favor Trump that we see coming up. So I think he, he is going to get to the number. And if he doesn't get to the number, he's going to get very, very close. There are uh, a number of Republicans who say they are not going to go to the convention, um, I guess, assuming that it's either going to be Trump or Cruz. Uh, for whom they don't have affection for either of them. John McCain is the most recent one saying he's not going to go to the convention. He has his own campaigning to do. Are you going to go? Uh, yes, I'm going to go. And what do you think of the Republicans who are sending the signal and, that maybe... And, and if it's a candidate other than uh, Donald, I will support the candidate other than Donald Trump. And the only other candidate other than Donald Trump is, is uh, Senator Cruz. I told Senator Cruz that. I met Senator Cruz uh, two or three months ago. I told him that I, w I wouldn't be endorsing him, but if he were the candidate of the party... Uh, he, he would have a very strong supporter in me. Do you think that Donald Trump can win in November? I think he can. I, and, I, and I think as between the two of them, he has the better chance of winning. Uh, Cruz is what we throw at them all the time, meaning a hard right Republican. They know it. It's a fastball down the middle of the plate. And Hillary Clinton has a playbook for hitting it out of the ballpark. She doesn't know what Donald Trump is going to throw at her. No, no, no. I don't know what Donald <laughs> Trump is going to throw at her. Yeah. So if I were her, I'd rather run against a known rather than the unknown. And he has completely defied all the political experts uh, this year. All of them. I think he's out of his mind, Rudy Giuliani. Between the two, Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, I think Hillary Clinton is wishing upon wish and hoping upon hope that it's Donald Trump. Because as the polls go, she beats Donald Trump in almost every single poll because he's, he, he has hit a ceiling. He is only getting 30% overall of Republican primary voters. He's going to get trounced like Walter Mondale got trounced in 1984. He's going to lose overwhelmingly. 
to Hillary Clinton. Well, it's funny because you always talk about the Clinton machine, right? And Rudy Giuliani's acting like the Clinton machine is going to be so confused yeah, like, about what to say what about Donald the, Trump. Right. What are the negative things that could even be said about him? Like Leon Podesta right now doesn't already have a strategy in place. Like they aren't already combing the archives of all the stupid things that Donald Trump has said that are just going to be continuously on a roll on right. commercials all the time. That's all you're going to be seeing. That's the one thing that I could look forward to with a Trump nomination is all the tasty, tasty campaign commercials <laughs> from all over the, the country that are going to be playing. And, you know, maybe we'll have to do a special episode to just feature all of the awesome anti-Donald Trump commercials. And just smashing him. Yes. And it's going to be easy to do. Runner, Real easy. Rudy Giuliani's acting like he has no idea. Please. Donald Trump is constantly, every day, saying something that's dumb. It's going to be easy for Hillary Clinton. Every easy. day. Yeah. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's so many of them. I could they could just come to you. I could just close my eyes and push a button. I'd like to take some money <laughs> out of her fat-ass pockets. I literally just closed my eyes and pushed a button. Yeah. But, if Ivanka weren't my daughter, uh, perhaps I'd be again. dating her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in the latest flip-floppy Donald Trump news was the fact that he got a lot of press when he said that Caitlyn Jenner could use a bathroom in Trump Tower anytime, no problem. Anyone that she wanted. That's right. Yeah, any, any bathroom. Yeah, of course, no problem. Well, it only took 24 hours for him to change his mind, but first let's remind the audience what he said the day before. Mr. Trump, I picked one here. This is from Jessica Hershey, Toms River, New Jersey. I'll just read it as a quote on a hot button issue here. Mr. Trump, please be specific. Tell us your views on LGBT, how you plan to be inclusive as president. Speak about North Carolina bathroom law in particular. Oh, I had a feeling that question was going to come up, I will tell you. Well, look, North Carolina did something that was very strong. And they're paying a big price, and there's a lot of problems. And I heard one of the best answers I heard was from a commentator yesterday saying, leave it the way it is right now. There have been not, very few problems. Leave it the way it is. North Carolina, what they're going through with all of the business that's leaving and all of the strife, and, and that's on both sides. You leave it the way it is. There have been very few complaints the way it is. People go, they use the bathroom that they feel is appropriate. There has been so little trouble. And the problem with what happened in North Carolina is the strife and the, the economic, I mean, the economic punishment that they're taking. So I would say that's probably the transgender people working part. in your organization? I don't know. No? I really don't know. I probably do. I, I really don't so, know. So if Caitlyn Jenner were to walk into Trump Tower and want to use the bathroom, you would be fine with her using any bathroom she chooses? That is correct. Okay. Different issue, also a social issue. You know, there's a big move to uh, create new bathrooms. Problem with that is for transgender. That would be a, first of all, I think that would be discriminatory in a certain way. It would be unbelievably expensive for businesses and for the country. Leave it the way it is. Let's talk about it. If you hadn't heard that, there it was. Well, it didn't even take 24 hours. It was the very next day. When he was on the balloon-headed Sean Hannity program, and that's saying something, because when you have a melon like mine, <laughs> and you call someone a big-headed guy, 
That's a that's that's a big grape on a guy. <laughs> well, he said this. Let me ask. Uh, I know there's a huge issue in North Carolina, um, and it's the so-called bathroom law. And a lot of people have made, I don't know how many people this actually impacts. My guess it's a very small number, but it's become controversial. And, and Ted Cruz tried to attack you on this today. And so I wanted to give you a chance to explain your position on that as it relates to transgenders picking which bathroom they want to go to. I can't even believe I'm asking the question, but I'm asking. Fuck you, Sean Hannity. Well, it is a small number, but we have to take care of everybody, frankly. And North Carolina, which is a great place, which I won, by the way. I love North Carolina. And they have a law, and it's a, it's a law that, you know, unfortunately is causing them some problems. And I fully understand if they want to go through it, but they are losing business, and they are having a lot of people uh, come out against. Uh, with me, I look at it differently. A community, whether it's North Carolina or local communities, really, they should be involved. We have so many big issues to be Thinking about, Sean, we have ISIS to worry about. We have bringing trade back. We have rebuilding our military. But I think this, I think that local communities and states should make the decision. And I feel very strongly about that. The federal government should not be involved. In other words, let the state decide, let local community decide, kind of like your position on education, give it back to the states. Yeah, yeah. let them decide. Absolutely. Great job giving him the answer that he needs to say to your audience, right, Sean Hannity. That was great. You know, he, these people are cowards. They are cowards. To invoke the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution and hide behind a state's rights argument when it is core civil rights that we're talking about here. It's not land use, something that does have to do with the state. These are, these are civil rights of individuals who are being discriminated against. You can't hide behind the Tenth Amendment, especially when it involves oppression of a particular group and stripping away of their civil rights. So did I hear him say that it's... Um not that many people anyway, or he talked about the number of people yeah, in the community. Right. And then the reason I said, fuck you, Sean Hannity, is when he's like, I, I can't even believe I'm asking this question because it's so dumb, but I guess I'll ask it anyway. Bobble, bobble, bobble. That's his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I've seen a lot of people using that argument. Well, yeah. there's not even that many people anyway, so let's just harm them what is your what's your argument when you try to say that i mean that is the definition of marginalize to treat people as insignificant or peripheral so you are saying oh it's a minuscule number of people anyway what does it matter that's the exact moment that we should all rise up together to protect the few who are being oppressed they're americans and these assholes lose sight of that these are also Americans to, for whom the Constitution serves a role. Well, you, you have people like Ainsley Earhart, who... What about country. the majority? Okay, the so majority. tired of protecting the minority. Exactly. Exactly. This the- is the shared sentiment between many of these people that are complaining about the Target bathrooms. And they have that same hate and vitriolic tone to their voices when they talk about it and i'm not sure where everyone is getting this idea that the main danger with target bathrooms is the transgender issue because for me the biggest danger associated with using a target restroom is the gas station level filth that i'm (laughs) 
going to inevitably encounter. Oh my god! I while thought you were in the go bathroom, somewhere else with that. that is awesome. So, that is true. Actually, that is that is a concern. If someone wants to start a petition to try to get Target to clean their bathrooms, <laughs> I will totally sign that. That is very important. Oh goddamn! I, yeah, I, sometimes, sometimes you surprise me with the funny. And uh, it's always appreciated, Brittany Page. You're welcome. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Get together, Target. All right, one last Donald Trump story, and then we'll move on. Donald Trump always talks about how he is, oh, the veterans, the veterans are not being taken care of, the veterans. Uh, ab- <laughs> tremendous, tremendous, absolutely. Believe me, believe me, I'll be the most militaristic. <laughs> I could go on. I feel like Donald Trump's in the room right, with us right, right, right now. Right, right, right. My face is very orange right now. <laughs> um, however, when they did that whole not going to the debate and apparently raising $6 million for veterans, that money hasn't been allocated yet. And the guy who's supposed to allocate it apparently says it's really not a priority right now for him. We raised in one hour, listen to this one, six. Million dollars. Millions of dollars Trump says he raised for veterans' charities are unaccounted for, and Trump's advisor for veterans' issues doesn't seem to know where that money is. Al Baldessaro, a New Hampshire state representative, has been stumping for Trump in his state and on the campaign trail. He's kind of Trump's man on veterans' affairs. He told the Daily Beast the fact a lot of charities haven't gotten the money is not high on his priority list. And he deflected a little, saying he's not necessarily the lead advisor on veterans' issues. He did call himself the only one who talks about veterans for Trump, though. The Daily Beast reports about half of that $6 million is missing. Reporters have been asking about the money since early March. Some veterans groups, like Texas-based 22 Kill, do say they got funds from Trump's January fundraiser. As for when others will get theirs is a roughly $3 million question. For Newsy, I'm Christian Bryant. Thanks, Christian Bryant. That's a funky beat, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, you know, the wow really is for this entire situation with this money. Trump, time and time and time and time again, talks about how he is a big supporter. There's no one bigger for the veterans. No one bigger. And then the man who is his mouthpiece for veterans' concerns for veterans' issues, says it's really not high on his priority list that $3 million in charity get to where it's been pledged to go. That's a problem. One that you likely won't hear Trump supporters talking about or tweeting about. They won't won't be tweeting about this to him. Right. Pointing it out. Well, you're going to hear it here. It's disgusting. And it's only... Really, because of the hypocrisy, I understand delays, but don't act like no one's as big a supporter of the veterans than me when you're not doing your fucking job. Your walk is not matching your talk, Donald Trump. You're not taking care of biz. No, he's not taking care of biz. Ugh. All right. Well, let's wrap up the Donald Trump thing with Megyn Kelly. Obviously, there's been a feud, the period, blood, routine, and all that that's gone on. She had a secret meeting with Donald Trump and just announced on her show her, her new primetime Fox Network special. Not, not, not Fox News. Yeah, not Fox News. Her Fox Network special 
with Donald Trump. So big news today is Donald Trump has agreed to sit down with yours truly for an interview and my upcoming Fox Broadcast Network special. This is big news. This following our heart to heart earlier this month at Trump Tower, which he agreed to at my request. The GOP presidential frontrunner will be a guest on Megyn Kelly Presents. Or it might be Megyn Kelly Presents. We'll see. A primetime event that airs on May 17th. That's a Tuesday night on Fox TV. The American Idol Fox. The Empire Fox. Not the Fox News Channel. Big Fox. At 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Extended portions of that interview that you will not see over on Big Fox will then appear over here, right here, on the Kelly File the very next night on the Fox News Channel. I look forward to what promises to be a compelling and wide-ranging sit-down. The Fox News viewers are like, Empire? What's that? <laughs> so one thing I'm concerned about... You know, the network that used to have police chases gone wrong <laughs> and all the... Yeah, cops. Terrible reality shows. Mm-hmm. That Empire. Yes. <laughs> so one thing I'm concerned about is Megyn Kelly finally got this interview. And this is a way to get the attacks to stop. The constant tweets about how she's crazy, Megyn. Yeah. Talking about her period, all these things. Right. And if you've seen personal interviews with Megyn Kelly and her husband, her husband is very pissed off about all this stuff too. No, I bet. So I bet. <laughs> so I hope that she doesn't go easy on him. I hope that she continues to be who she is and ask the reasonable questions she's been asking. Just like you mean you don't you hope she doesn't start tossing him softballs rather than legitimate journalistic questions. Because exactly. up to this point she hasn't been an attacker. She's been a legitimate journalist. Right. And he just perceives them as attacks. Right. But I hope that she doesn't go easy on him in an effort to Make him stop. Yeah. Well, this entire thing, I'm sorry to say, smacks of cheap publicity stunt to me. The fact that they're put, like going to make it prime time on the Fox network and not Fox News. and Well, it isn't just Donald Trump that's going to be on this primetime special. In fact, Megyn Kelly, whose contract is up later this year, has been talking about how this is kind of what she wants for her career. This oh. is the direction she wants it to go in is long form Barbara Walters type interview. I was going to say Barbara Walters. So yeah, huh. she's also going to be interviewing Michael Douglas in this special. Oh, nice. And other people. So this is kind of a foray into, hey, look, this could be what I end up doing. Yeah. And like showing her chops. Yes. Oh, well, that's I see that. I mean, that that does shine a new light on it. I'm less skeptical, but still little uh <laughs> little, little, little skeptical that's understandable that's understandable <laughs> all right well we're gonna stick with fox news and talk about shepherd smith well really not talk about shepherd smith but talk about shepherd smith talking about something else shep smith on his show talked about a recent agreement between ted cruz and john Kasich. i almost said krasik because i was looking at the word and we'll let you sh- we'll let Shep talk about it. Another first. That's what we have today. Another first in American presidential primary politics. At least we've not seen this sort of open teaming up before, if that's what it is. Let's call it Team Krasik. John Cruz, I should say Ted Cruz and John Kasich officially joining forces in a sort of last ditch effort to try to sink Donald Trump at a contested convention. Not Trump now has another name 
or at least another arm of its effort, Team Krasik. Now the candidates didn't get together and come up with all of this, they tell us, but their campaigns did. The announcement, late last night, after the Fox News town hall, Cruz and Kasich campaign managers now say John Kasich will stop campaigning in Indiana to help Ted Cruz pull delegates away from Donald Trump on May the 3rd, one week from tomorrow. In exchange, Ted Cruz will, quote, clear the path for John Kasich in Oregon on May the 17th and in New Mexico on, on June the 7th. So they're teaming up. Even though Ted Cruz has called John Kasich a spoiler who benefits Donald Trump and can't get elected, and Kasich has called Cruz a smear artist who can't beat Hillary Clinton. And alone, neither of them has a path to the nomination on the first ballot at the convention. But together, together, maybe they can stop Trump. But that would require, a, well, a lot of togetherness. How much is there? Well, consider this from John Kasich just this morning. I don't see this as any big deal, other than the fact that I'm not going to spend resources in Indiana. He's not going to spend them in other places. So what? What's the big deal? So who should your supporters vote for in Indiana? Well, they, I, I've never told them not to vote for me. They ought to vote for me. Not a big deal? Oh, it is a big deal if you really do it. If you two really do become crazy to stop Trump, but are you? Not if John Kasich is still telling his supporters in Indiana to vote for him, which is what he just did, to vote for him instead of for Ted Cruz, who says he needs those votes. This is about winning the votes of the Hoosier state, giving Indiana the opportunity to choose. And, and we're at a fork in the road. We're at a fundamental fork in the road. If Donald Trump is the nominee, Hillary Clinton wins. So Cruz wants the votes in Indiana, needs the votes in Indiana. Kasich is willing to not campaign there, in fact, to pull out of Indiana, he says, creating Kasich, but not willing to tell his supporters in Indiana to vote instead for Ted Cruz. So not Trump is not exactly Kasich, is it? I mean, it dominated the news cycle this morning and everybody's still talking about it, but not Trump is more not Kasich than Kasich, really. That's how it sounds right now. <laughs> well, I, you know relative to the plan, let's just talk about the plan for just a second. Um, eh, I think this is just, listen, we're in uncharted territory here. This We've never really been faced with this in, in modern times. I mean, your grandpa might remember a time when this kind of shit went on, but eh, this is new for the vast majority of the electorate. So, like, today, and we'll, we, that was the next story up, Ted Cruz named Carly Fiorina as his vice presidential running mate. Which is fascinating because he has 546 delegates. Right, he's second place in the delegate run. And he actually got third place in delegates right. for this Tuesday's race. Right. Well, that's what I mean by this. We, this is uncharted territory. We don't know. They're, they're writing the rules as they go relative to what a campaign traditionally does under the circumstances that we find ourselves. So, ah, I'm going to give him the, 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 the leeway, the, give him the credit to, 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 to run whatever scheme and, that, they're, that they're running, see if Kasich can win in Oregon and in New Mexico, see if, if, um, if Ted Cruz can pull the delegates in Indiana. Yeah, it's worth, it's worth seeing. So we, we will see since it's worth seeing, Brittany. I guess so. <laughs> And like I mentioned, Carly Fiorina is who Ted Cruz picked. 
We're not going to spend a bunch of time on it because he is right now the second place guy and who really cares? And it's Carly Fiorina. So eh, could you pick a worse person? You know, what, what are they fucking doing? <laughs> what a mess. Yeah. Let's move on to Bernie Sanders, though. Jane, his wife, which is almost like a Jetsons lyric. Jane, his wife, was on CNN and Blitz was asking her <laughs> about the tax returns for 2015 that they have yet to release. Your husband keeps saying you're the one who prepares the tax returns every year. He's counting on you to release them. You did release the 2014 tax returns. What about earlier years? How's that looking? Well, you know, what's interesting is we released the, the 2014. Secretary Clinton hasn't released a transcript yet. So why don't we wait and see what happens? So is that the linkage now? Wolf, She'll release when she releases the transcripts of her speeches before Wall Street firms. That's when you'll release the earlier tax returns. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Well, yep. that's a new development. That's a new development in all of this. Mostly <laughs> but honestly, Wolf, Wolf, these are not the issues that are of concern to right. the American people. They're concerned well, about having no jobs, about bad trade policies, about foreign policies that are not making sense. We need, I implore you, as a leading, wonderful uh, host of, of a major show, Please talk about the issues that concern the American people instead of delicate math and who can win or who can lose. It's more important as to what people will be doing. Secretary Clinton and Bernie Sanders have a lot more, as she says, that unites them than, than divides them. The Republicans need to be beaten. But there are things that, that differ, and, and we need to talk about that. So this is an interesting challenge. Yeah. And I love how Very Blitz Very tough for Blitz. He was he was so confused. He this is a this is a new development. I'm not prepped for this. What, what do I what do I do now? Oh, Blitz. I'm sorry, Blitz. I meant Wolf, okay? You wacky guy, you. Well, listen, this this really does it's seeming to me and it's really coming to fruition, solidifying is kind of a manufactured controversy to me. Because What's going to happen? Because I don't believe there's anything in these tax returns. And I, I think it's a feeble attempt, to tell you the truth, to make the Hillary Clinton campaign think that, oh, well, maybe there's some bad stuff in there. Let's relieve the speeches. And then they'll, we'll find out all the dirt in the, in the, in the tax returns. And then it's going to be, yeah, they made 250 grand. Nothing's going to be there. So I think they're... They're outmatched when it comes to dealing with the Clinton campaign because it is the Clinton machine. Or, excuse me, the Clinton machine. <laughs> I got to keep that handy. Yeah, you do. Brittany Page. You had your eyes closed. All right. The other, the other thing about Bernie Sanders is he was asked by Chuck Todd about the soda tax and then... In, in, in the course of it was asked about whether or not cigarettes should be taxed. And he indicates that he thinks cigarettes should be illegal. Listen here. Uh, why are you against the consumption tax, the soda tax in Philadelphia? Pay for pre-K. Universal pre-K. Hillary Clinton's for it. Yes. Uh, I'll tell you why. Because it is a totally regressive tax. And right now at a time of massive income and wealth inequality, when the wealthy are getting wealthier, 
Uh, many of them pay an effective tax rate lower than working people. You have large multinational corporations not paying a nickel in federal taxes. That's where you get the money. Somebody's making $20,000 a year and they buy a bottle of soda. Mm -hmm. I don't think you charge them 30 cents more for that bottle of soda. Now, the goal of universal health care is a universal child care. Yeah, absolutely something that I strongly agree, and I applaud the, the mayor there for coming forward. But raise the money in a way that is progressive, not on the backs of low-income and working people. So you must be against cigarette taxes, too, then? No, I'm not. Cigarette taxes are, there's a difference between cigarettes and soda. I am aware of the obesity problem in this country. I don't think Michael Bloomberg would agree with you on that well, one. Well, that's fine. He can have his a point of view. Uh, but cigarettes are causing cancer, obviously, and a dozen other diseases. And, uh, you know, there is almost a question as to why it remains a legal product in this country. Almost no question, he says. Eh. What's next? Because there's a lot of shit that causes cancer. There's a lot of shit that's unhealthy. What's next to make illegal? It's kind of kind of odd. It's a we I mean, look, it's a it's a good conversation to have, but it is it's bizarre. It's a legal product. Not everybody who smokes dies of cancer. Yeah, it just seems odd that he brought that element into the conversation and said what he said. Yeah. Because it seems to contradict other positions that he that he holds. Yeah. So. I, it just, look, I, I do have fondness for Bernie. I think the audience knows that, but I think this was a misstep. It's not going to hurt him on the campaign because it's not going to, you know, blow anybody's doors off. But it is, you know, it's kind of a, it's an odd position to take. I thought it was worthy of the audience hearing because I didn't hear about it really anywhere else. And now the audience has heard about it somewhere else. <laughs> to end the show with both a happy thing and also kind of follow-up because we talked about this, this story last summer sometime about a Miami judge who was on the bench. Mindy Glazer. Mindy Glazer, who was talking to a defendant in, like, video court. Arthur Booth. All right. Brittany has all the details. And see how I'm holding my, my hand here? Mm -hmm. Donald Trump style. Yep. And she recognized him from uh, as someone she went to middle school with. Yes. And he got super emotional, and she talked to him. First, let's play the clip of what happened. Then we'll talk about why we're talking about it again hey, mr booth i have a question for you yes ma'am did you go to nautilus for middle school oh my goodness oh my goodness i'm sorry oh. to see you here i always wondered what happened to you sir oh my goodness this, this is the nicest kid in middle school oh my goodness he was the best kid in middle school i used to play football with him all the kids and look what has happened i'm so sorry to oh see my you. goodness Mr. Booth, I hope you were able to change your ways. Good luck to you. Oh, my goodness. What's sad is how old we've become. Oh, my goodness. Good luck to you, sir. I hope you were able to come out of this okay and just lead a lawful life. Man, what, what am I... Um... Uh, they're going to explain to you how to okay. take okay. your charge. Okay. Oh my goodness, you really, you, oh my goodness. I'm sorry about you. So what is the, the latest development? 
Well, he's been released from jail, and the judge, Mindy Glazer, was there upon his release. Oh, wow. And she greeted him, and they hugged, and she gave him a little bit of a pep talk and said, you know, you're going to take care of your family, you're going to get a job, you're going to stay clean, and you're going to do something good for someone else. Uh, they shared a heartwarming encounter and he talked to the news and said she's an inspiration and motivation to him and that he knows where he could have been in life, but he's not giving up and he feels that this is a new lease on life for him. I hope that is the case. That would be great. And, and you know, it's, it's awesome seeing somebody in the judicial system actually going the extra mile and doing something heartwarming. Yes. And you can tell that she really cares. I mean, she's there. Yeah. This is 10 months later upon his release, and, and she's there giving him a hug. And she sounds very stoic when she's interacting with him in that clip. Well, she's, you know, it's being a judge. It's right. kind of a thankless job. And right. you got a role there. It's not too sweetie sweet, everybody. It's, you know, you've, you've got to meet out. Just, justice is blind, Brittany right. Page. Right. You don't. You don't have mercy on those you went to middle school with and then crack down on the suckers you don't know. <laughs> right. But that was... I mean, a, that's how I would do it. Okay. That was a very moving clip because, yeah, sure. you know, in that moment, he can just... You can feel what he's feeling and it's... It seems... When you watch the video, it's like he's embarrassed and then he's... Yeah, because... There's a lot going on there. You know, this was someone who he was equal with in middle yeah. school. And now they're the same age, yeah. but at completely different places in their life. Right. And what a painful yeah, she realization. Wasn't going, she wasn't going to fancy, fancy private schools. Unless, of course, I mean, maybe they went to a fancy private school together. I doubt that. They, they, they have the same starting point and... Just things went different for him. Well, and they they might have had you know different home lives of course, and, and of course, things like that. Absolutely. Other things influence, but I'm talking about like they're the same age, right? And things like that, and just to be in a completely different position as someone you once knew, and you're the same age, yeah. that would be really difficult. But this looks like a a positive start to the new chapter in his life. Awesome, awesome news. All right, we are going to end it there. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys are great. Thanks for coming back after our day off. We love you. We appreciate you. You mean the world to us. If you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week, you can go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link there. And that link says support the show. And if you click that link, there's a few different ways. Amazon, PayPal, Patreon. We'd love to have you join the Patreon and PayPal family, helping us move the conversation forward. That money does not go to waste. It really does help us. We're planning on doing some stuff like when Trump comes to town, when Bernie comes to town, there's going to be some good things upcoming before the California primary. So we'd love for you to take part. Other than that, we'd love to hear from you. 657 464 76 Zero nine, of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. We want to hear from you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Gas station level filth that I'm <laughs> going to inevitably encounter. 